Hello, I'm Rob Beckett. And I'm Josh Whittacombe. Welcome to Parents in Hell, the show in which Josh and I discuss what it's really like to be a parent, which I would say can be a little tricky. So, to make ourselves, and hopefully you, feel better about the trials and tribulations of modern day parenting, each week we'll be chatting to a famous parent about how they're coping. Or hopefully how they're not coping. And we'll also be hearing from you, the listener, with your tips, advice, and of course, tales of parenting woe. Because let's be honest, there are plenty of times when none of us know what we're doing. Hello, you're listening to Parenting Hell with... Henry, can you see Rob Beckett? What's Rob Beckett? And can you see Josh Whittacombe? What's Josh Whittacombe? Oh, I think that's an interesting accent, Rob. That sounded stateside. Canadian? This is my three-year-old son Henry's effort with your names. Turns out he's not that familiar with your work. He's eight-month-old brother Alex, maybe too little to have a go, but did contribute some backing vocals. Love the pod. Thanks for the laughs. Margaret from... Alberta, Canada. Montreal, Canada. Oh. Oh, my word. So close. So close. Probably the best we've ever done in it. Yeah, really impressive. Why did that come into my head? Alberta, Canada. But I mean, I sort of just like, guessed at a Canadian scene. Where is Alberta, Canada? I've never been to Canada. It must you? be so close to Montreal. It have must you have done been. that Montreal festival? No, I haven't actually. I did the one in Australia that's run by the same people, just for laughs, it's called. It's just loads of short spots. Yeah, so it's just a cool um, <laughs> 4,000 kilometres away from each other. Oh my God, no wonder <laughs> you made that mistake. It's just so close. <laughs> Just over the border of Ontario, the border of Manitoba, the border of Saskatchewan, and then you get to yeah, Alberta. Alberta, Canada, yeah. So just, yeah, just a, I'd say, what, probably about a four-hour flight away? Yeah. Just so close. Are you aware of the comedian James Mullinger, Rob? Yes, UK guy who went to Canada. He got massive in Canada, didn't he? Yeah, he's got massive in Canada. And I watched some of his stuff. All the stuff is so local that I don't understand any of it. So it's just sort of like an English guy take the piss out. But he'll literally be naming streets in Canada and people are going fucking mental for it. Oh, hang on, hang on. Washington. Is Washington... Washington's on the... Where's in America? Here Washington. We go. Here we go. You now, Rob. I know the mistake you're making. I know the mistake you're making. Washington. He's scratching is, his head. Is Washington near Seattle in the northwest of America? Rob. Yes? Look at the panic in your eyes. Hang on. Where, where is the president? <laughs> I thought the president was near New York and East Coast. He is. What's that place over there? Do you want me to tell you? Please. Washington State is where Seattle is, but Washington, D.C. is on the East Coast. You're shitting me. (laughs) So what state is Washington, D.C. in? I don't know. Is it a state of its own or is it in... Yeah, it's a district of Columbia. It's not a state. It's a district of Columbia. Yeah. Holy fuck. Everything's falling apart. It's in its own tiny little district. It's in a district of Columbia. So is that not a state? No, I suppose not. So it's Washington's like an area. Washington, D.C. is a district of Columbia. This is mental. And then that's in Maryland? I don't think it's in a state, is it? Delaware. Oh, my God. No, it's not part of any state. It's a sort of separate body of power that was created well, all right but who turned you into fucking captain donald trump knowing all about america here, michael how do you know this <laughs> i love america you love america i was in new york a couple of weeks ago did i tell you donald trump went to the ufc that i was at 
Oh, did he? I've never heard such a big cheer for anyone entering oh, wow. arena. Walked in with Kid Rock and Dana White, and they were playing American Badass, the Kid Rock Jesus song. Christ. I've been to loads of events in my time. I've been to the Super Bowl. I've been You've seen Romesh. I've seen Romesh live in Crawley. I saw you do the 99 Club to eight people back in 2011. <laughs> and honestly, I've never heard such a noise. And also, I thought that fair enough if it was in like the Deep South, but New York's supposed to be a bit more. I know it's the UFC. It's UFC, though, isn't it, Rob? Bloody hell. But yeah, it was mental. Do you like Kid Rock? You a Kid Rock fan, Josh? I'm not really a Kid Rock fan, no. It's I used to like really. him when I was younger. I've listened back to it and I was a confused young boy. <laughs> Says the man who's just spent the last five minutes trying to work out why there's two Washingtons. Well, mate, I think that is fair, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's absurd. On the map, Washington is bigger over by Seattle than it is. The other side. But, Wait till I tell you there's a Boston in Lincolnshire, Rob. It's going to blow your fucking mind. There's a Glasgow in Montana. There you go. When you've got a big place like that, you do run out of... There's a Manhattan in Kansas. Washington is square. Well, I'll tell you what, Manhattan in Kansas looks fucking shit. I thought Washington, D.C. was shit when I went. I hated it. There you go, I've said it. Why did you go there? <coughs> Sorry, I've got a cough. Um, oh, what, is that what they are? Sorry. <laughs> So, Next time you do that, you should go, sorry, I just can't stop sneezing. Yeah. Just to see if anyone reacts. Bless me. But, uh... Bless you. <coughs> oh, you don't sound well, Josh. Just calm. <laughs> sorry about that. Keep ejaculating. Anyway, why don't you about Washington? We were going around America when I was like 21. Six yeah. weeks in America. Sure. We're doing like East Coast, New York, Boston, Chicago, I know is more into it, but yeah, yeah, that kind of route. Then we did Washington, D.C. Everything that you've seen on TV is in the space of 100 yards. Right. We were there for like three days, and we were done in like 20 minutes. And then it's one of those places, a bit like, I mean, L.A.'s not as extreme, but it's slightly like that, where everyone's there for work rather than because they want to live there. No, that is exactly what Canberra's like in Australia, because it is for the government. Everyone there's working. It's really all work buildings. Yeah, exactly. Right, okay. I'd say, I don't know how many listeners we've got in Washington, D.C. A few expats. Joe Biden, maybe? Michael will find out another time. But yeah, no, I I find whenever I do go travelling, I sort of do about three hours of sightseeing and then just go and get pissed somewhere. It's quite bleak, actually, isn't it? It is quite bleak, actually, yeah. But there we go, that's life, isn't <laughs> that it? That is life. I sometimes, when I look at an American map... <laughs> I thought you were going to say man then. When I look at an American map, I'm like, oh, right, so that's where that place is that I've heard of a million times. I know the geography of America so badly. Well, I think our generation, because of the American pop culture and movies and TV and friends and stuff like that, dominated our childhood years so much that I am obsessed with America to a point it's almost weird. We just are, because that's what we were brought up on. Yeah, totally. That's why. Like, there's Scranton. Isn't that where the office is set? It's near New York. I had no idea. Oh, anyway. Should we have a quick bit of correspondence before we bring on Kimberly? There's a Peterborough in Canada. (laughs) The excitement there for that. We'll do this correspondence, but our guest today, Kimberly Nixon, absolutely brilliant. She's a very funny, talented actress and person but she so I knew Kimberly from Fresh Me and a few other TV acting jobs and stuff like that but I wasn't fully aware of how popular she's become on Instagram 
and the subject matter, she's got a boy she'll talk about, but also she had quite full-on postnatal depression through sort of OCD, intrusive thoughts, yeah. quite stuff. And she's really honest about it, but also very interesting and very funny. But we also, in this episode, talk about that, but it goes very base level where we talk about willies fannies and massive shits so it's a real double-edged sword there's something for everyone there's something for everyone what you're offering here rob is mm. what is known as a double trigger warning. yeah it's almost like this is if you combined an interview of kimberly that she would have done for fhm magazine and then Newsnight, you would yes get an interview but a combination yes exactly and that's how we operate if you don't want to hear about willies or postnatal depression or ocd that's your trigger warning. I want to hear about that all the time. Yeah, of course you do. Dick's fannies are mental health. That's exactly. <laughs> Dick's fannies are Dick's mental, mental health. Bloody hell, that's just a it's day a Bloody mind. bumper plate, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, Dick's fannies are mental health. Just quickly, 77 people listen in the District of Columbia. 77, 77 people in the people. District of Columbia. Uh, I wonder whether they're Brits who are covering the American. Anyway, shout out to you. Love it. Get that to 100. We'll come and do a small art space. Yeah. Do a live show for you. <laughs> just make, we'll just have to double. We'll send out a link. We'll make sure when you're all available. <laughs> you know them little calendar yeah. things people sent for the school oh, yeah, parent yeah. drinks. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so stay around for Kimberly Nixon. It was one of my favourite episodes. I found it so interesting and really funny. Now, Josh, this is a positive car crash story that you wanted. I love the way you said stay around for Kimberly Nixon as if people are going to go, oh, I only listened to the first 10. What's I hate it when the guest comes on. <laughs> <laughs> so this is basically... From Tom and Claire in Epsom, Josh. Yeah. Okay. And then one day Tom was in Frome in Somerset and was rushing to get to a gig. Claire, pre-meeting each other, was on her way to babysit her sister. Having only passed my test a month earlier, I had music on too loud and forgot you have to look both ways at a junction. Pulling out straight into Claire, who was driving past. Crashed straight into the side of her car, which needed a new door, and she was a bit shaken up. But I got a number off a mutual friend and sent her a message a couple of months later. Now we're married with two little oh, ones. Oh, wow. Needless to say, the wedding had a lot of car crash-related paraphernalia and jokes. Our kids, Mia, who is 47 months, and Alfie, who is 17 months. We love the podcast and hope you enjoy the story. Tom and Claire. Lovely. Epsom. Superb so They stuff. met in a crash. Do stick round for Kimberly Nixon. Do stick round. <laughs> Last one, then we'll get the old Nixon on. On the recent episode with Scarlett Moffat, you asked about me nicknames listeners have been given as kids. I'm one of eight kids, all born within 11 years. Jesus, absolute Fuck that. What? Sex bastards, your parents. Yeah. Anyway, my horrible grandma... <laughs> I love it. My horrible grandma used to come and stay for months at a time. A cold woman with absolutely no love in her whatsoever. <laughs> love it. A cold woman with that. I think old people get too much of an easy ride. If they're being dicks, call them out. That's what I say. This person is one of eight kids and has got this cold grandma that comes and stays. Are they a Victorian? <laughs> it feels like- well, no, they always go, respect your elders. What if your elders are old shipman? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Anyway. She called my oldest sister the big pig because she ate a lot. Oh, fucking hell. One of my brothers, the wee wee man, because he wet the bed. Oh, I thought she was Scottish for a bit. That's horrible. Fucking hell. She's like something from the Royal Dahl. The wee wee man. And another brother, spaghetti man, because he was skinny. I suppose one could argue that she said it how it was. Some of us got off lightly, though, myself included. I was the Irish beauty. Keep up the good work from Anna. Not bothered about anonymity. She's long gone. <laughs> cold, cold woman. 
Oh, cold, my God. Cold, warm with no love in And her. if she's up there looking down on us, hearing this, you should be fucking ashamed of yourself, you miserable old bitch. I imagine she's down there looking up, if anything. <laughs> <laughs> right, here is Kimberly Nixon. Enjoy. Stick around. Kimberly Nixon, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for doing this. Thanks so much for having me. I'm very excited. Well, we were just saying we had loads of people requesting you from your Instagram stuff. Obviously, we know you as an actress from Fresh Meat and stuff like that. But your Instagram sort of is moaning about your kids the right thing or just talking (laughs) about them. Who are we to judge? I mean, people in glass houses. Yeah, no, sorry. There's probably like my family just emailing the hell out of you trying to get me some exposure. Yeah, no, I started my Instagram going on a year after I had my little boy suffering quite badly with postnatal mental health. I started an Instagram and then I started being honest and then it kind of ran away from there. That being honest stuff people really like. And would you call yourself, because Josh, I don't know if you saw this other day, I got tagged in something saying about we're parent influencers. Are we? Well, yeah. And is that what you are now, Kimberly? Absolutely (laughs) no one should be looking at us. That is frightening. It is frightening, isn't it? It's really worried. Can you give the <laughs> listeners a rundown? How, what's the setup at home? How many kids you got? What's, what's the score? Oh, God, I mean, don't be men. I'm not like breeding everywhere. I've got yeah. just the one, just the one boy. He's just turned three a couple of weeks ago. He's been dog, two cats. Husband, husband, dog, dog two, cats. two cats. And do your cats and dog get together? How to get together? Get do together. They, do your cats and dog get together in the evenings? Do they get on? They sort of get on. The cats were here first, so the dog yeah. is very much... Oh, it's like Beckett. Even though she's like 50 times bigger than them, she knows where she is in the pecking order. So the cat's the boss? Yeah, I mean, they're frightening. They're absolutely... I'm terrified. <laughs> cats are so hard to figure out, aren't they? They're so... Aloof. Aloof. Yeah, they're so cruel and aloof, and a dog is so the opposite of that. Like, I popped to the shop to get milk or something, and it's like I've come back from war. For my dog with my cat as soon as i'm dead will start eating me <laughs> yeah i struggle with cat i think cats as kittens are the cutest like i know dogs are cute but i think a kitten is so fluffy and cute and they just sort of sit there being cute rather than running around mad like a dog that's how they get you that's how they get you and then they grow up and you're like that is not the cat i married and then you want a divorce they're psychopaths they lure you in with like charm and but behind the eyes, they... Nah, nothing there. Serial killer. Oh, yeah, well, they are serial killers. They just kill. Their main passion is murder. Start chomping <laughs> on you before you're cold. Whereas my dog would loyally go to my grave every day for 50 years. Yeah. Right, okay. What dog you got? We'll get onto your child. Is that what Greyfriars Bobby did? Yes. My dog is called Bobby. <laughs> oh, there you go. Exactly. Very, very fire Bobby vibes. Although I don't think she'd find it. She's quite stupid. But she, the mix of... Alsatian, Labrador, and Border Collie. Jesus. So he's super loyal, needs lots of running, and is constantly trying to herd things. Like cats. Yeah, like cats. You're just like, as if you're not in our gang. So, yeah. I know we're here to talk about parenting, and we will get on to it. <laughs> but. <laughs> no, what we're here for, really. That's the <laughs> what, are we here for? what are we here for? Nothing. What really. are we here for? Yeah, yeah. So, my kind of feeling on this. <laughs> Our dogs. He's like, you've really got in on this. You feel like you've been thinking of this. I really thought about this. It feels like you're Charles Darwin going, I think we might have been come from monkeys. I just feel like dogs is too broad. There's too many types of dogs and they're not similar enough 
to all be the same thing. So you want to streamline the species. I don't think they're all dogs. Joe, I agree. If you said a horse was also a cow, people would go, that's not true. But we're throwing in a fucking sausage dog with a Rottweiler and saying they're the same animal. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I saw someone walking a dog the other day that I honestly, I was sort of aghast because I couldn't see the point in them even leaving the house with it because it was so pointless like it was it didn't even really have legs it was so small it was like, it was like taking like a ball of yarn out and then you've got that and then you've got those like big dogs yeah you've got dogs that you're like how have you got that in your house because you could ride that and then you've got a dog that someone's carrying in a bag but josh you and anthony joshua are humans <laughs> I'd say the yeah. sausage dog and the Rottweiler could use you two as an example. Yeah. If you put Josh next to Anthony Joshua, you'd go, there needs to be different words for what those are. Because of the size, two. yeah. Yeah, you can't call them both Homo sapiens. That's insane. Yeah, yeah. yeah Josh and <laughs> Anthony Joshua are the same species. Just to be clear for our listeners, Rob isn't talking about race. Oh, yeah, that... but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When I say we need another name. <laughs> I was just thinking, I'm a super fit, handsome man, and I'm Joshua. Yeah, but I do think I've got whippets, and that's again, it's sort of like half cat, half dog. It's not really a, a full dog the way they sort of curl up. Super skinny. You've got two kids, the two. So I've got two kids. They're going to be eight and six in December. Two girls, and you've got a boy who's three. I've got a boy who's three. So you're you're in a different world to me. I think age and sex wise that like so they can really talk back to you i imagine uh yes we've recently spoke about this on the podcast they've started calling my my wife's boobs milky bad boys because they think it's funny and it's rude and it's quite degraded actually as a sort of audience member of it it's very much them directed it at lou they don't really know what to say as the dad as well it sort of feels like three women butting heads and I don't want to get involved and look like I'm sort of... Back right off. Yeah, I just step back and go, you're going to have to fight it out amongst yourselves. I don't think I should be mansplaining. And then I let them fight it out. What breasts are, yeah. Well, you shouldn't call breast milky bad boys as a man, My little definitely. boy just found his winkle, his Wilson. So what do you call it? Because we use bits, but people say bits is a bit too childish and you should say what it actually You're is. You're supposed to say, like, penis and vagina. Yeah. There's something quite harsh and clinical about that. I don't know. I haven't got a little girl, so it doesn't really apply. But we have a word in Wales, so I live in the valleys in South Wales. And for a girl's bit, it was always a foof. A foof? Yeah, I think <laughs> foof's fine. It was always a foof, like my foof or put your foof away or whatever. Put it away. Uh, <laughs> I did that a lot growing up. Right, okay. And then a sort of family thing that's happened with my nephews and now and my little boy for boys bits of the wilson and i don't know why a wilson a wilson yeah like the ball in castaway yeah <laughs> willie wilson is it or just wilson it kind of was willie and then i think my nephew started calling it a wilson and then so will he say mom say it's sore for whatever reason she was like my wilson's sore <laughs> well he's not quite at that thing so like if he's out getting out the shower and i'm like totally down and he's a little bit I'll say, oh, it's a bit Chilson on the Wilson, you know. Chilson on the Wilson. He will use the word Wilson. His speech isn't quite there yet. I mean, it must be difficult to learn to speak if your mum's saying, it's Chilson on your Wilson when you get out the shower. <laughs> As a three-year-old, you're probably going, I don't really know what's going on here. So much therapy already. <laughs> He's just found it. He's very much found it. 
now. Josh's boys, slightly younger, or about the same age, I think. I heard they get erections as babies. Is this true? It's so weird. I don't like it at all. I don't know what to do with that stuff. So I'm just a bit like, to my husband, I'd be like, something happening. So normally he'd be like, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> just so that'd be like when you're changing nappies. Josh, does your, do the boys get like boners just like walking around the house? Well, walking around the house is in a nappy. The babies get boners. A boner is a strong <laughs> word. <laughs> okay. So a semi, they'd get a semi. Yeah, I suppose. Don't say semi. Don't Sorry. say semi in regard to babies. Don't say semi. Okay. Half a lob on. No, no. <laughs> no. There's a kind of something's going on down there. Josh, what do your boys call their bits? I've only got one boy and he's he'd refer to it as his penis. <laughs> okay. Is that weird? No, it was just it was just quite official. You said that like the headmaster of a private sort of boarding school. He would call it his penis. No, I tell you why he'd Thank call you, it his Mr. Whittacombe. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you why he'd refer to it as his penis. Why is that? Because his older sister, they do all the proper terminology at school. Do you know what I mean? Yes. So yeah. that's where that is coming from, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. But what did you say for her bits when she was little before school? I think we said vagina. <laughs> is that weird? No, it's what you're supposed to do, but I find it more, I find it funnier and more awkward. What did you say, that. Rob? We call it schlong and puss puss. Is that wrong? <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> Kimberly's face. You know what, what I can't that? handle, and I think it's a posh thing, is um, front bottom. I can't handle Yeah, I don't oh, like that. That's awful, awful. Well, we just use bits. We use bits. But they know it's vaginas and penis, but we use bits. Do you know what? Our kids might listen back to this when they're about 15 and this will be the worst moment of their lives. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope it is, because if it is, then they've had pretty good lives. Your boy's sort of, he's three now. So is he in nursery or is he, because he's not in school yet, is he? It's a year or so away. No, but in Wales, actually, compared to England and Scotland, things they go to school earlier. So he just turned three. And really? Yeah. Sorry, was that... <laughs> I know. I'm well, I thought it was much later, actually. And I'm joking. <laughs> Based on the Welsh people that you've met. Yeah, I know. Well, I'm joking. My mother-in-law's Welsh. Very intelligent lady. Very intelligent lady. Very intelligent Most intelligent lady. person I know, actually, I'd say. Oh, yeah. What about your wife? Do I really know her anymore? I always feel like we are one. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So, you know. What do you call her bit? Hulu's? Yeah. Would you say vagina? <laughs> I'd sort of say like, you know, sort of like a good friend from school you've not seen in a while. Sort of like... <laughs> <laughs> no, what would I call loose bits? An acquaintance? An acquaintance. An acquaintance. I'd say a loyal friend. <laughs> I wouldn't say how's your, and then put a word, you know, it's never really used, I've never come up a conversation. Did your partner talk about your vagina very often? And how would he refer to it? No, I mean, I, I wouldn't be like, are you ready to put your penis to use? Like, I wouldn't, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> Is your vagina ready for me? <laughs> <laughs> Lou, is your vagina ready? No, okay. You're still reading your phone. Fine. No worries. Still reading. Give me a nudge when you're ready. <laughs> you sound more like a gynecologist. Is your vagina yeah. ready? It's weird, yeah. isn't it? Ugh. Why do we find it sort of quite awkward to talk about as well as sort of all grown-ups? It is mad, isn't it? It's a British thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can I move it off the sex parts? If you want, what do you call your ass, John? <laughs> <laughs> no, I know, I said move it off the sex parts. Oh, I hear you. I'm a bit of fun. 
because you've written and uh, spoken about having OCD. Yeah. What was that like when you then have a child where everything just goes to kind of disorder? Yeah. I didn't know I had OCD. Obviously, I've had OCD my whole life, but I didn't know that that's what it was called. I'd never aligned myself with it in that way. You know, from what I'd seen on the TV of OCD, it was things like germophobia or hand washing or oven mm. checking, light switch checking, stuff like that. And I never had any of those symptoms. So it just didn't sort of ping on my radar that that was, might have been what, what was going on. And, the, and I had my little boy and the birth turned quite traumatic and it was right bang in the middle of COVID. It was October 2020. And what I thought was maybe the baby blues kind of thing, you know, you're sort of expecting, mm. didn't really lift. And then it just got worse and worse over the next few months. I wasn't really ticking the kind of postnatal depression boxes. So I got really frightened because I didn't know what was happening to me. And what was happening was that my my mind was constantly risk assessing danger around my baby all the time and getting stuck on it in a cycle like a stuck cd i couldn't stop seeing terrible things happening to my baby all the time like really vivid images oh my god and it was terrifying it was really terrifying i'd never heard of it before i'd never heard the phrase intrusive thoughts which is what it turned out to be and so when the ocd diagnosis came around it was a bit like what no i don't think so and then as i learned more about it a lot of my compulsions, so the, the C bit of the OCD, they're the things that you do to try and neutralize the obsessions and the bad thoughts. And a lot of mine were mental. You couldn't see them. So for yeah. a lot of OCD sufferers, it will be things like hand washing or touching their head or little ticks. I did have a few of them. I used to click a lot to click away the bad thoughts, right. the bad oh, image. Right. And obviously, the more you do that, the more it emphasizes to your brain that it's something you need to be wary of. It's a danger. Yes. So it kind of went on for there. And I was got really, really poorly because I, I sort of spiralled, really. What was you doing when you had the thoughts, you know, and you was clicking and stuff? Was you trying to organise stuff and control stuff? How was it manifesting if it wasn't the cleanliness or the light switching? Or was it all in your mind? It was all in my mind, yeah. So I could be changing the baby. Mm. And then I'd think to myself okay, don't take your eyes off him for a second because he could roll off the table and then fall onto the kitchen tiles. But instead of just that being a normal, of course, that being a thought that passes through, especially a new parent's head, yeah, I became obsessed by it and I would see it. I was constantly seeing two realities. I was seeing what was right oh, in front wow. of me. I was also seeing five seconds into the future all the time and it was the worst possible outcome. It was me bathing him and me looking away for a second and him being under the water or something like that you know yeah if i went to sleep what if something happened to him while i was sleeping so i oh, I won't sleep yeah. then that's an easy fix <laughs> that's oh. an easy fix yeah Bloody yeah hell. that's that solved after 10 days of not sleeping i remember a midwife saying um there's a reason that they use sleep deprivation as a sort of torture technique it's really really effective and it was that was it so then I wasn't sleeping to kind of like where you get rid of a lot of your brain spam in your sleep like your yeah. nonsense thoughts and I was just processing them awake oh, God. Oh, God. and I was just terrified out of my mind because I'd never heard anybody ever talk about this happening after they'd had a baby how old was the baby by this point the trigger was the birth and the baby so it's right away yeah so I got diagnosed with postnatal OCD, which I didn't even know was a thing. I'd never heard of yeah. it. Yeah. 
I didn't even know that was a sort of option. <laughs> the room service. <laughs> Let alone one that you'd want to take. Yeah, it's like, oh, option look, I'll get yeah. some a la carte. Yeah, I'll go for the caesarean and then the OCD postnatal. Yeah, <laughs> postnatal specifically. I, I wasn't ticking those postnatal depression boxes, the sort of things that we're more commonly aware of. Mm. And it wasn't until the postnatal OCD thing came along that I was just like, tick, 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 tick. And so had you had OCD without knowing it before? Yes. Right. So then suddenly my whole life shifted into perspective and things started to make a lot more sense. Yeah. So before you had the baby, obviously, so when it really kicked into sort of an, an extra gear because you've got this precious thing that you're responsible for, how was it manifesting before? Was it sort of like through like job roles or if I don't get that, if that goes wrong, was it, were you having these intrusive thoughts about more different type of things? At the time, it sort of seemed I'd have little bad patches and, and I think it's also hormonally linked. I think women with OCD find that it gets much worse around their period and things like that. And so obviously having a baby giving birth is like the ultimate hormone plummet. So you can do that. But it would just be, I was constantly what they call mental reviewing. And I've got a really good memory. So I would have a conversation with somebody or and one tiny little sentence or bit or facial expression or image or something would stick in my mind. And that would be it for about three weeks. I would constantly play that over and over again and try to fix it. And obviously then what happens is your brain kind of gets bored with that and starts to, maybe they said this and maybe they meant that. And so everyone gets intrusive thoughts. Everybody does. Everybody, you know, you know, you're on the motorway and you're driving and you're like, you just swerve. Yeah, yeah. You're not going to do it. Or jump in front of a tube, that kind of thing. All the time. When I was in London all the time, as the tube was coming in, I'd be like, it'd be so weird if I just dipped my head forward. Like I wasn't going to do it. Yeah. It was just a weird passing thought. But people with OCD it gets stuck in your brain. So for some people, say the Mokjuig one, it'll be like, oh my God, am I a psychopath? Am I a serial killer? And I don't know it. Oh, right. Am I a terrible person? And so they analyze it and they try to find meaning in it where they don't need to. Yeah. And so treatment for OCD is learning to just let those thoughts be there and let the uncertainty of things be there. Because what happened with my little boy was that after I completely exhausted any danger happening to him, my brain picked up the idea that, yeah, but you can look out for any danger all around him, but what if you're the danger? What if you don't know you're a danger? Oh, my God. What if you sleepwalk and you're a secret serial killer? What if you fall asleep and roll on top of him? What if you snap suddenly and murder your whole family? It was all these things happening. And so... How do I keep my baby safe from me when I don't know if I'm a danger? The anxiety in the mind will just constantly evolve. Even if you go, well, that's not going to happen because I've changed his nappy. 50. The first time you change your nappy, everyone's nervous. But for you, it's sort of built up, built up, built that's up. That's the thing with OCD, it's never enough. You can never feed yeah. the beast enough. And so you, what you have to learn to do is cut off those compulsions. So for me, mental reviewing, I have to catch myself doing it. And I have to cut it off Yeah. and not do it. And I have to be able to sit with the uncertainty, so pre-baby maybe, that I had upset somebody or I had said something wrong or people were mad at me or whatever the thing was. Obviously, the stakes are much higher with when the baby came along. So yeah, it was basically learning to completely rewire my brain since having my little boy. It's not what you need when you're trying to do a night feed, is it? (laughs) (laughs) Just going to quickly rewire my entire way of thinking, actually. The milky, milky 
what you call them, bad boys? Milky, milky bad boys. <laughs> I was contending with mental turmoil and milky, milky bad boys. So, yeah. Not ideal. <laughs> and if anyone is suffering from this or feels like they identify with that, what should they do? For me, I spent endless, endless hours in the middle of the night Googling, looking everywhere to find someone somewhere in the world that was experiencing or had experienced something like me, like I was. And I couldn't, for a very long time, I couldn't find it. And then I did. I found one tiny article on, I think, an anonymous on the Mind website where this woman wrote down her experiences of postnatal OCD and having absolutely terrifying thoughts for her new baby. And then I was like, oh my God. So then I started looking into it more and realized how common it was and what you fear when you've got that tiny baby and you're having these horrible, horrible thoughts is if I tell anybody, they're going to take my baby away from me. Yes. You're frozen with terror. You don't know what to do for the best. And so I, I sort of promised myself back in those very sort of dark days, if I ever got better, that despite the cringe factor and the embarrassment and the kind of, I mean, it's very private stuff, but like I wanted some woman to Google in the middle of the night and come across my experience. And so basically I would say, speak to your GP, your midwife, your health visitor. They've heard it all before. It's just not spoken about as much as postnatal depression. Yeah, Having scary, intrusive thoughts in new parenthood, especially, or any time around pregnancy, so common and I wish I had known that I wish I had known that I wasn't this medical freak and did you speak to your husband about it I did yeah I think that was a real saving grace for me is that me and my husband been together a really long time before we had the baby because he was IVF it took years and years and then IVF suddenly Mm. worked and I got pregnant February 2020 and then in March 2020 the whole world just like blew up. Yeah. <laughs> but I had a really bad patch in drama school. I remember I was watching a play in drama school and this weird thought popped into my head and I couldn't understand why this thought had popped in. And then for the best part of the next year, all I did was try and solve why I had this thought. What does it mean about me? And I became really poorly whilst also doing my first jobs out of drama school, which were like Cranford period drama and like the teen films that I did. So I've always wanted to kind of be open with the fact that, you know, you can have OCD and be a kind of, not like a useful person, but, you know, I've worked my whole career whilst having it. I just didn't know that's what I had. (laughs) Yeah, and you can sort of enjoy your work now rather than be doing it with that thought repeating in your head. Exactly, because I know know what it is now. There's not, it was the fear before. It was the fear of like, what is happening to me? What is happening to my brain? I was perfectly normal yesterday. And now today I've had a baby. My brain's sort of gone haywire. For example, now, say you're out for the day of your boy and you, you're aware of all this and you've got your coping mechanisms. You sort of rewired your brain. Say you're walking along and you're crossing the road to go to the trampoline park like that. And then your brain goes, well, if you don't get across the road well enough, there's going to be an accident and then even when you get to the trampoline park, he's probably going to bounce off something and it's going to be my fault. Is that the kind of stuff that would start and then it escalate from there? Yeah. Does that still come in now and you deal with it or does it not come in? That's the thing. I think that when people have postnatal OCD or OCD in general and they have a bad episode of it, what you want to happen, because of course you do, is you want these thoughts to stop. You want the yes. bombardment to stop. So you do anything you can to push them away. And the more you push them away, the more that they can. It's like, don't think of a pink elephant. It's the first image that pops into your head. So 
it took me a very long time to learn that I can't stop these thoughts coming as much as I wish I could. I can't. And the more I try that, the worse they come. I have to be able to let them come and go and not judge myself for them. I have to let them pop in and pop out and whatever without reacting to them because the reaction to those thoughts was the problem, not the thoughts themselves. That's almost an extra layer of it because you're having these thoughts and you're trying to deal with all these thoughts, but on top of that going, oh, and you're a bad mum because you're having these thoughts. So then you're getting attacked from both sides. Do you, because I've done CBT stuff before about sort of like thoughts that can come in, but like I don't necessarily think it was OCD or stuff like that. But one thing that they will sort of talk to me was that to sort of almost say like, oh, I wonder what my next thought's going to be. And then that separates a barrier between you and the thoughts because the thoughts aren't you. They're just stuff that your anxiety and your brain's producing and and sort of making it less personal makes you feel more separate from the thoughts. Is that something that you do or is that helpful? Yeah, so I read something actually a couple of days ago that said if a thought starts with what if, it's not coming from you. It's Yes. I sometimes like to think of myself as Robocop often. Um, <laughs> <but> I like... <laughs> Robocop, when you'd see his view of him scanning things and yes. kind of scanning for danger, it's kind of like that's what your brain as a human being is doing all the time. It's just scanning in your surroundings, your risks, your making sure you're putting one foot in front of the other. Obviously, mine kind of went into overdrive and made me believe that there was danger all the time. And so yes, you're in like fight or flight all the time. But the idea that if it starts with what if, it's a sort of risk assessing thought. It's just coming in. It's not really coming from you. That was a really big thing very early on. You know, when I would take the baby out in the pram, I live in the valleys, there's lots of hills. I'd <laughs> be like, what yeah. if my hands for a second forgot to hold on to the pram, just let it go, and then it rolled down the hill into traffic. And so I would grip so tightly onto the pram, trying to fix that problem. But all that was doing was reinforcing that there was a problem in the first place where there wasn't. Yeah. So would you look like go online to look for like a strap to tie to your arm? And would you try and solve the problems physically as well as like in your mind with like buying stuff? Yeah. And a lot of what happens, especially with postnatal OCD, is that you try and make things safe by proxy. So you'll you'll have your partner change the baby or wash the baby or carry the baby downstairs. Mm. Or so you'll try and eliminate your part of it but that's all avoidance and and so you cbt is used to treat ocd a lot of letters coming up but <laughs> cbt with an emphasis of erp with erp is exposure response prevention so you expose yourself to the thought or the fear or the whatever it is so for some people with ocd that might be germs yes because i think in that they get them to drink from toilet water don't they <laughs> and stuff like that it's true. They you just face the worst possible thing. I don't think that's session one, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Or lick a toilet seat. But that one that's been sort of cleaned, a fairly clean one, you know. Not a Charing Cross station, do you know what I mean? I'm, I'm talking about one in your house that's been cleaned. You're someone with the, with the kind of germophobia subset of it, but it's debilitating to the point where you can't go out in public anymore because you can't yes. use public transport, you can't use public toilets, all that kind of stuff. It's about learning... Yeah, sort of facing that fear. There's there's another mum who's a really great source called Catherine Benfield, and she was one of the first people I'd ever heard of speaking about postnatal OCD. She had the kind of harm OCD that she would accidentally or maybe on purpose if she snapped because she was so tired, hurt her baby. And part of her therapy was going to um, Selfridges on Oxford Street 
And she had to hold her baby and go up all the escalators and then back down again, just all day. Wow. Because she, one of her fears was that she would drop the baby. Yeah. What if she just lost it for a second and threw the baby over the side of the stairs or something like that? So these horribly terrifying thoughts about the thing you love most in the world. And so you have to face it so that she did it for a whole day. And it is, it's like you said, it's, it's like holding a spider if you're terrified of them, you know? Yeah. And was there one thing in particular that you had to do that on? There was one thing that was really getting at you that you had to face head on, or was it more of a general CBT Carmen of the thoughts and accepting of the thoughts? I think it was learning to be, um, I mean, you know, you hear all these crazies and they're all a bit like wanky and stuff, but like self-compassion and all that kind of stuff. But mm. if you genuinely, for the best part of two years, believe that you're the worst person in the world, then starting to be kind to yourself not only feels impossible, but it's imperative. Otherwise, you don't think you deserve to get better. So first of all, it was allowing myself to think that I should get better and that I could get better for a very long time it wasn't lifting it was getting worse and worse and worse and we're talking you know we're reaching my son's second birthday and it's still the same and it's I'm gonna be like this forever and the other problem was that a lot of my OCD is is mental it's in my head it's invisible so I'd always think oh I wish I had the hand washing one because then I could like sit on my hands or tie my hands (laughs) up I could physically stop I could keep myself away from a sink so I didn't wash my hands but how the hell do I stop a horrible image popping into my head before it does how do I do that it sort of felt impossible so some of the treatment which I found the hardest was allowing those movie scenes to play out in your mind so uncomfortable it feels like you're wearing someone else's skin it's horrible it's really horrible you push through and then suddenly your anxiety lessens and things aren't as bad as you think and it's just a thought it doesn't mean anything and so slowly Mm. slowly you get better honestly it's amazing that you're in a position obviously still so recent your son's only three and I think there's so many people especially women that like you say maybe suffering with this now or had been before and that thought of oh I don't want to tell anyone because they'll take my baby away from me kind of thing what would you say to anyone that feels like that at the moment I would say I never saw this coming, right? So I was in a place where I was married to my best friend, you know, really happy marriage. We tried and tried for years. We had IVF. He was so wanted. And so when he was finally here, this healthy, perfect baby, I was so ready. I remember the day before he was born, I was so ready to meet him. I felt so ready to become a mum, you know? I was there. I was at that point. And then this happened. One, I'd never heard of it. It frightened hell out of me. I thought I was the only person. And it's really difficult to have an illness where you're, it's like having a kidney infection, but that you deserve it, (laughs) if you know what I mean. (laughs) It's a really horrible illness in that way because it makes you feel like you're a terrible person for having the illness in the first place. Like what kind of a person gets a kidney infection? What sort of monster gets a kidney infection? So asking for help feels absolutely impossible and that's some of the most heartbreaking stuff I've ever had to do is be very very honest with strangers with like medical professionals about the worst darkest corners of my mind to do with my little boy because I wanted to get better and I would say now that I've put more stuff out and people have come forward to me there isn't so much more stuff out now than there was when I was ill if you google intrusive thoughts if you google postnatal OCD this stuff will come up 
you will find it in a way that it wasn't coming up for me two years ago. So just tell someone you trust, speak to someone, don't be afraid. Often I say on my podcast blog thing that I do, I write little articles and I say that I know how difficult it is to walk into that doctor's room and sit down and say these scary things. So just show them my little thing. Just go this. I can't say it out loud, but this. And as soon as you start shedding lights on it, it was such a curveball that Instagram was a turning point in my, in my recovery. So I always thought it was like full of knobs. Like just, <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it was like porch munches and bones. Oh, it's still full of knobs. Don't worry about that. Yeah. It's still full, full of knobs. Full of knobs. And I'm one of them. And that's my okay. for you page is mainly milky bad boys, to be honest. Yeah, milky bad boys. And I just, when I first went on there, I was like, what is this? This isn't for me at all. And then I kind of had nothing to lose. And I kind of dipped my toe in being honest and putting more stuff out there and saying this is happening. And then getting in the two years I've been on there, having thousands of messages from people who say, oh my God, my daughter's 25 now, but that's exactly what I went through. And I suffered in silence for such a long time because I thought I was a terrible mother. I thought it made me a terrible person. Or I get it from partners who say, I think my partner's experiencing this. And so there's just so much more stuff out there. And the more light you shed on it, the less power it has. The more that I talk about this incredibly soul-destroying, cringy, horrible, embarrassing stuff, the less power it holds over me because I've thrown light into the darkest corners. And so that's what I would say. That's been my whole thing. Just talk more. It's really inspiring. It's amazing because people will be able to go, I feel like this. And then they can show your Instagram, your blogs, your podcasts and stuff. And the links to all that in our show description. And also we're going to put you straight in our top three of biggest gear shifts mid podcast that we've ever done. (laughs) (laughs) From boobs to mental health. Sure. (laughs) It's like the one show. It was unbelievable. Yeah, we sort of went from pet names from our wife's vagina to um, to OCD. Kimberly, I mean, we'll have to get you back on again to sort of do a bit more of a what we'd call a traditional interview, because obviously that took up a lot of the meat and puddings of the chat. But I think it's really important. But yeah, well done for talking about it, because it's not easy. And it's, it's such an inspiration for people to be able to say, look, she's a successful actor and mum and is in a brilliant place now. And she wasn't at one point. So it's, it's brilliant what you're doing. So well done. You should be really proud of yourself. Thank you, guys. But I thought this was going to be more... We just got back from Cyprus and my son did an eight-inch long poo next to me. That's what we're looking for. We've still got a few minutes. Let's Let's talk about his shit and then ask the final question, but we will get you back as well to have more of a loose chat. All right. This has been an OCD sandwich, but with vaginas and shit either side of it. All right, so very quickly, in a nutshell, we're in Cyprus. What you didn't expect is me and Rob to be interested in a topic. So you are really on that. You got well on. Now. You're like, we're for shit. You're like, oh, lovely. Go on. <laughs> so we're in Cyprus. We're finishing lunch. Yeah. Obviously, really beautiful, lovely, sunny weather. The clear sea is right there. So my husband's yeah. finishing his lunch. And I said, I'm going to take the baby over. I say baby, three-year-old. Take yeah. him into the sea or whatever. So I had like my bathers on under a dress. And I thought, I'll be all right now and be for a few minutes. It's fine. <laughs> so I kind of get down off this little wall, off this kind of esplanade, and I go into the water and he loves it. And he's splashing around. There's little fish everywhere. It's great. And then he starts to pull that face, like, that. And I was like, oh, no, oh, no. And <laughs> the longest shit I've ever seen, like a tail was coming out the back of him. 
And <laughs> I think it was like the kind of coldness of the water had like shocked him into it. Yeah, when that cold hits the anus. I don't know how else to put this. I don't know how to put this like scientifically, but he like, he wouldn't pinch it off. <laughs> Oh, it was hanging. So it was still like a goldfish. It was hanging out with him <laughs> and it was like eight inches and it's starting to float. And then I look up and my husband's up on the sort of little seawall looking like, first of all, he was taking pictures like how lovely and cute. Then he's just, his face has turned to utter, he can't comprehend what he's seeing. So I start yelling at him going, do something, do something. And he's like, what shall I do? I was like, I don't know, get a bag. <laughs> yeah, what do you do with an eight-inch turd what in the sea? What do you do, right? And all these lovely people were not too far away swimming. And I just oh. thought of it. Anyway, so he breaks this turd off. It won't sink. You'd think it would because it was girthy. No, they're called floaters for a reason, Kimberly. Come on, it's not your first rodeo. Bringing it back round, it was like Wilson in Castaway. It just floated yeah. away. <laughs> and he was sort of reaching for it. Honestly, and so my husband then just thought, well, there's nothing I can really do to help. Like, she's going to have to get out of her cell, so I'll just take yeah. pictures of it. So we've got loads of pictures now of me trying to get this <laughs> giant shit floating away. Did you catch it? No, and I was like, I've got to go back in and get it. He was like, that is the <laughs> maddest thing I've ever heard, right? And I said, no, I, can't, I can't spend the rest of the holiday. I've got OCD, like, <laughs> yeah. I thought of some... <laughs> Woman having a wonderful sunset swim and then this giant turd barracuda coming at her. I couldn't handle it. Yeah, I don't think it's OCD to go in and pick up the shit your son's done in the sea. I think that's just being a good citizen. Yeah, just a good, good egg. I yeah. wanted to be a good yeah. egg. And then my husband literally put his hand on my shoulder and went, the turd's gone, Kim. <laughs> and I'm sure like it disintegrated and fish ate it or something and it was gone but for me it's still there in its form and it's just floating past someone who's trying to have a lovely holiday is it a metaphor for you dealing with your OCD in a way Kimberly it is a bit it's gone it's floating somewhere in the ocean it's but far away but I so you can relax learn to let it go yeah <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I can't control all the shits in the world and I have to be okay with that. And sometimes you go for a swim and there's a little bit of shit in your mouth, but that's life, isn't it? Exactly. <laughs> It'll come back round and, and that's just life yeah. and I'll get... The thing is now, if anyone sees a turd in the sea, they'll think of you. It was so long. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't been on to Loch Ness on holiday, have you? Starting all those rumours. Sometimes I just sit and think about how long it was. <laughs> It was massive. He's a little kid. He's small. It's like, where did that come from? And how is it so a full spent? leg. It was bizarre. It's that good Cypriot food. It will do that to you. Oh, don't. Don't. On your jumper, there's a brain. Is that your... Um... Yeah. This is all very new. So I have this thing called Kim Fluence in My Brain, which is this absolutely shambles of a podcast. It's nothing like this professional. Oh, yeah. We're incredibly professional here. Yeah. No, it's an absolute shambles. And I do little articles on a sort of Substack And... Literally this week, I've become a huge merch wanker and got merch. I kind of hate myself a little bit. Can you show us the merch with your camera? We turned cameras off because the internet was... Can I turn it on now? Well, let's try and turn our cameras back on, see if it sounds okay. A little bit peek behind the curtain for the listener. The internet went, so we turned the cameras off. Oh, look at that. Oh, now you've got merch. I like it. Kimfluencing my brain, not today brain, and there's a brain. Yeah, I that like became it. my saying. Like, when my OCD would try and kick in on a day, it'd be like, not today brain. I've got it. I'm in the driver's yeah. seat. I don't need you to... I'm good. Thanks for flagging it up, but I'm good. Kimberly, you've been absolutely amazing. Thank you so much. And good luck with your podcast. Um, <laughs> so it's, good luck it... with your brain. <laughs> no, good, good luck with your brain. As well. 
Good luck with your brain. brain. <laughs> Good luck with the shits on holiday. So if people want to see, hear and read more of you, is it head to Kimfluence in the Brain yeah. podcast? I think I'm real Kimberly Nixon or something, but you'll find me on Instagram. And, and Instagram, you know, when I started it, I was right in the midst of being really unwell. So I'm pretty honest on there and uh, you get to see same looking behind the curtain you get to see someone in the midst of a postnatal mental illness so yeah so you could even go back to the start of your instagram and do the full series like a box set you can see the whole yeah, journey yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> if you live alone yeah <laughs> another lockdown Kimberly, thank you so much thanks so much thank you for having me guys kimberly there that was brilliant wasn't it Josh? that was unbelievable always respond to the public rob if the public wants someone they're they right we are merely the USB leads from the power of the guest to the ears of the public. Exactly. We are nothing but connectors, Josh. Exactly. And I'm happy to be the medium rather than the message, Rob. Do you know what? I'm happy to be a USB-C. That's the new lead, isn't it? <laughs> Is it? For all devices, yes. Oh, it's yeah, an yeah. EU law that I think we're going with. Yeah, of I don't want to get all political, but sometimes their little laws are quite handy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. um, go and listen to Kimberly's podcast and follow it on instagram we'll definitely get her back to talk yeah. properly because that got a bit serious in the middle but i think it's important but you don't want to cut that kind of chat short yeah do you know what i mean yada 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 ocd yeah. as your son had a shit in the sea <laughs> yeah exactly we got there anyway <laughs> yeah exactly we'll always get that brilliant all right then, brilliant. Josh, i'll see, see you, you on uh, tuesday tuesday <laughs> how do we not know it's tuesday poor isn't it poor <laughs> bye bye This Christmas on Netflix, British crime thriller, Silent Night. I haven't got a choice. They're blackmailing me. They want me to take out three brothers, three rings. This money could set up Daisy for life. Bang, bang, bang. Should be easy for a man in your abilities. Marky, if my family goes down, it won't be the only one. They won't stop contacting you. They want you, they'll just keep going. You know as well as I do, Mark. This won't end. Well, tell me, when did killing people become so hard, Marky? If I could give up one good Christmas, I'd die a happy man. Silent Night, streaming exclusively on Netflix. Merry Bloody Christmas. Andy Bush here from Guestimators, the brand new game show where guesswork beats Google. Join me, our resident quizmaster Statman Matt, and a celebrity guest as we dive into the brains of the great British public. Statman, what sort of questions have we been asking? Well, Bush, here are some of my favourites. Who's the best Irish person? Which finger would you chop off if you had to? And how many human-sized corgis could Prince William beat in a fight? To play along at home and listen to the podcast, just visit guestimators.com. I think I chop off my left little finger, by the way.